Manor. Hello, welcome to Tut Manor Podcast. It's episode three of the season, less of a delay since the last pod this time round, but maybe less happiness on this week's pod. Uh, just the triple J attack. Uh, me, James, we got John and we got Jack. Uh, Jack, you've had a bit of an eventful weekend. Uh, you've been down watching Oxford, obviously at Wimbledon, then you saw England play. You have a good one? Yeah, it was a good weekend. I mean, obviously Saturday was rather dampened by the on-pitch uh, result, but otherwise it was quite a good weekend. Nice. I saw you found a bin to put your beer on, as per the new facilities at the new plough lane. I did. Um, they seem to have forgotten that it's quite good to have tables or even kind of, you know, just things screwed to walls to put drinks down. But uh, yeah, improvisation. So I, I said to Jack, get some photos, maybe a nice plough lane experience, some black and white stuff. What do I get? A picture of a bin back on the WhatsApp group. I mean, a beer on a bin. Black I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was uh, clearly a a preempted metaphor for our performance for uh, set pieces. Mm. Yeah, there you go. All we are is a beer on a bin. Uh, John, did you put any beers on bins or any other alcohol on other items? Or um, not on my lounge chair armrest. Okay, but, you know I was watching on a, on the old iFollow, so not as a uh, glamorous. What well, were you in Mongolia watching? No, um, Romania, actually. This Romania, okay, good. Yeah. Cousins out uh, there. <laughs> right, uh, on to the news. Um, let's start where we started last time. Takeover news, there is none. Um, there hasn't been an update. They said there'd be an update by the end of the transfer window. It hasn't been done. But the way I was thinking about this is if they're delaying it because they want to announce an epic meal deal alongside a stadium announcement, then I can wait a few more weeks. Um I don't know what you guys think. That's probably all we've got to say on that takeover. Let's see what happens. John, you look inquisitive. I just, um, I know I was kind of like Doom, Mr. Doom on the stadium in my pre-season predictions, but I'm not sure what they could really announce about the stadium that would, what's the next stage with it they could really announce. But I'll take, I'll take your logic train. Absolutely. I just want a big, nice aerial shot of the stadium that's made out of, you just want to see sustainable materials with vegan options on the menu at the Let's go to Forest Green then. No, oh, no, that's what I was gonna say. That was that was my reference. Anyway. Right, transfer window closed. Um Cambran still around, that's good news. Um listening to I think it was actually Jerome that was talking about it on in the wasn't at the game after the Wimbledon match, and he said um, he thinks there's a seven-figure release clause that's in Cambran's contract, but it can only be triggered early on in um, a transfer window. So that's why people kept saying it, it had expired as we got towards the end of the window, so it couldn't come into effect. But I think it will still be there for January. So we'll have to see what direction that goes in. But Jack, I guess, probably don't need to talk too much about it. It's good that he stays. We probably got a good shot and then at the season now and then when you think about January the interesting point will be how close if Blackpool are still the main club interested how close are we in terms of the pyramid in January in terms of us at the top end of League One them at the bottom of the championship I thought KR's um, brief interview before the Cambridge game he said something along the lines of if there's interest in Branagan in January then that means we'll be doing well if there isn't then 
clearly we we, we won't be. Um, I think Jan, yeah, January will be the risky one again, as always. If it if it's to happen, I hope it happens early in the window and not kind of Baptiste and Fozu last day of the window style. Um, who knows? I think if if <clears throat> excuse me, if he plays well, there'll be more clubs than Blackpool interested in January. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, what else happened then? Ben Davis as well came in. I did a bit of research on this chap. So yes, he's he's from he can play for Thailand, can't he? Um I think he made some appearances for someone else. Singapore, Singapore. I wanna say. Yeah. Um but when Googling his name, I found that he had been he was in trouble basically and was potentially looking at serving jail time for avoiding his um duties duties when it comes to the uh, the military. Um so I don't it was all kind of well, brushed over a bit, but that was only a couple of years ago, and it was a big article in BBC Football site that Can was talking claim, about. Can we claim an emergency loan if he gets uh, carted away? I know, and, yeah. Uh, you know, taking taking in, and then we can sign another left back. I remember Hyung Min Son going through mm-hmm. that as well. Same, same deal. Um, John, do you think there's much to that? Just go straight into the under twenty threes. Good for our owners in the east of the world to maybe sell a few shirts who knows yeah, a bit weird and i think i like hopefully a lot of people thought he was a left back and went oh, okay fine left back young player all right really hasn't played much at all but uh, yeah that's probably the best we can do given said and so established and then it was like i know he's a midfielder and he hasn't really done much in any space he's just kind of going into 23s so yeah it's fair enough but one of those we'll probably never see um in oxfordshire so quite how much impact it has domestic um, overseas and that sort of stuff. I'd really be interested to know when he's probably not going to get on the pitch. Yeah, he'll probably time. sign for Wolves in a month's time or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I'm just trying to see what other people have put in the notes because I haven't read them before before coming on. Um, what was this note around KR talking about left-back? Jordan Fawn? Oh, this is just cover for left-back, isn't it? So it's just... Talking about Alecci and then saying Sam Long can play on the left, Jordan Fornley can step across there. Yeah, um, he basically summarised the reason for not signing a left back was because we've got players who aren't left backs who can play left back if needed. Was a, was basically his uh, his reason for not signing a left back, which slightly concerns me. But we've been here before. I did hear him say though, like who, what quality left back wants to come in and sit under Seddon, and I do understand that. Yeah, like unless you can kind of guarantee a bit of time, um, or even a loan signing from like a decent club, why would they even want him to come and be, you know, a bit part player? But you know, I kind of get it. Let's see where we're at. Hopefully, Seddon just plays every minute of every game, a la Josh Raffles earlier on uh, in his career with us. Um, Ari Dan Aji, because we all, I think we all thought Dan might be heading out the door on the last pod. Um. He said, KR said five or six managers had inquired about him. Um, I didn't know his contract expired next summer. But John, what do you reckon about about that? Are you surprised you're still with us? Do you think um, he's going to get what he needs and we're going to get what we need from him? I think we, I don't think he will, but I think we just have to be selfish and go, well, if Wynn or or Taylor, God forbid, gets injured, then Adji is, you know, he's a reasonable option down the middle we know we can do it um 
I just thought it was really interesting to see. It was the first time that I think KR has really sort of said a phrase when he said, there's something about Dan that I really believe in and I want him, I hope he signs a contract because I want him here for a while. I don't think KR's ever gone that sort of, I mean, that's practically like, he's my son, like sort of statement. <laughs> Whereas normally it's a bit sort of like, look, he just needs to wear his bloody shin pads and just, you know, do the right <laughs> things. And, you know, it's always a bit sort of digging him out. And it was just sort of a, an insight into that. You know, he, he wouldn't say that if he didn't really mean it. Um, yeah. And Adji doesn't have great value. So this isn't about locking him down to a contract to secure a fee. So you know, it's kind of another twist in the, the Dan Adji mystery tour. Just think it's one of them. I don't know what you think, Jack, or whether it's actually possible, whether football manager experience is getting the most, getting the better of me. But can't you just put recall options in on loan deals? No, the only not only the only types of loan you can have are six month ones now. You can only have a break a recall clause within a transfer window. Uh, okay. So Same if we that. if we'd have sent him out this window, we could have only brought him back in January. And equally, if we send him out in January, we can't get him back till the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. Hopefully, he has. Um, you know, he just has a spot of good form at some point in time. But you just think of people needing to get injured, and he's potentially not playing down the middle to get that get the minutes on the pitch. We'll have to see. Um, other news today, John. You spotted that Tyler Goodrum's gone out on loan. Have you heard him? He's a very well-spoken young young man. Is Tyler Goodrum? I hope he does well. Yeah, and, and you know it's a good indication that managers out there think he's ready for that kind of loan at, at that level. He's obviously not going to get any minutes in the first team because of the dearth of midfielders and number tens we have. So yeah, it's a great move to solid conference club and it's the next natural step that a lot of the youngsters seem to go to it's a tick box and um he seems like he's got as good a chance as any of coming through that with um come back and see where he is so yeah makes great sense to me i'm trying to think where he um he was on an interview the other day i think he played in the cambridge game didn't he in the jpt but he was you could tell he was frustrated with his own um, performance but it, it showed kind of good maturity to quickly self-assess in quite a mature way so I was impressed um, other news then so it's been announced that the Mickey Lewis memorial game will be on October the 10th which is the day after we're meant to be playing Sunderland away but as others have pointed out to us um, after the last pod it's likely um, that Sunderland game will probably be moved um, due to an international break running over that weekend. Um, so there's no excuse, people. You've got to get yourself down there. Um, there's <laughs> Jack, I think you've taken note of all the people, or all the ex-players that are going to be there. Do you so want that, to run through that, some? Was that, 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 was, that, that was me getting carried away with how many like absolute legends are in that. That first set of players announced, I mean, there's like more to come. Well, I was going to say, Oxford City have just announced some of what they're calling their legends and some of their... The tag legend is questionable for some of their players. Examples being um, Josh Ashby, Harvey Bradbury and Jefferson Louis are, are playing for the Oxford City Legends team. Why I think how, in, in the Oxford City lineup when he's more of an Oxford legend? Like, I don't get that. Well, because based on your list here, they've already got 300 players in the Oxford United side by the looks. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's no... I'm hoping... Uh... 
Bobby Ford and Paul Fowler in the next set. That'd be a that'd be quite cool. So we we've got Chrissy Allen, Joey Beecham, Matt Elliott, Mike Ford, Gilly, Simon Marsh, Stuart Mass, Stuart Massey, Paul Moody. Paul Moody hates football. I can't believe he's coming back. <laughs> it shows the impact Mickey must have had. Uh, Matt Murphy, ever dividing our. I wonder if he'll divide all the fans in a testimonial. Jemson will be there to. Uh... No. He's in the air. He's down. And like, no even way. Even Moody, like, I think Moody said in his pod, he just didn't get on with him at all. The well, he, said, he, said everyone, he said everyone hated him or something, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mark Stain? Didn't he play for Chelsea? Yeah. Played for Oxford as well. That's before before my time. Um, Darren Purse, Rosie. Be good to see Rosie on a pitch. That'd be good. Um, yeah, amazing. There you go. Um, so, yeah, get, get yourself down October the 10th. Um, Obviously, Mickey was such a huge part of the club and forever will be. So it's a great way to show your appreciation for everything that you did for us. Um, otherwise, it always feels really insignificant talking about anything else, especially moving on to the away shirt delivery update. <laughs> but it turns out Connor wasn't chatting crap last week when he when he said that his mate who... What did he say his mate did specifically? Worked at the shop. Worked at the shop. It wasn't like in the courier diagnostics section of the <laughs> Oxford United shirt delivery process. Anyway, shirts were delivered. I got my uh, black away shirt. I really like it. It's very nice. I took an awkward selfie, which I'm never doing again. I don't know why I did that. I'm like a 12-year-old annual photo shoot. And put anyway. it out on the internet for everyone um, to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't get know. Get annoyed yeah. by how annoyingly thin you were. <laughs> um what what have you guys are you not going for the shirts i haven't seen a shot in you in john and you in your electric white no i'm definitely not going for that one um i would go for it i haven't ordered it um but i think i will push the button on the away shirt definitely okay. it is pretty pretty smooth jack you're usually heavy on the merch yeah i've, I've held off a bit this year because i realized that i always buy them all at full price and then they make them like half price towards the back end of the season. So I'll probably buy one at full price and then maybe depends because the thing is with three shirts, there's always going to be either the black or the white one will get barely worn like last season. So I actually want one that they're going to wear a lot because we switched back to yellow on Saturday. So it's, you just don't know what they're going to wear away. Hmm. Does it, does it matter? It doesn't really matter. Does it that you're wearing the matching shirt? Does to, it does to me. Yeah, exactly. When I've got my shin pads <laughs> and boots on in the away end as well. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, it'll look stupid, Sam. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, right. Okay. On to the actual football then. Um, played Cambridge in the JPT on Tuesday. Uh, McNally got sent off early on and uh, we went on to lose 4-1. Aji got a pretty nice goal. I think it took a little bit of a deflection because it looked weird in the the highlights it kind of scooped over but um yeah it's good for him to get a goal otherwise it wasn't a great um performance um but we made loads of changes it's expected does anyone have anything to say about the tin pot surprise no good I've, no yeah i think there's a theme we can allude to during the wimbledon game but yeah we won't give the jpt any any more that it needs to have okay. There you go. Right. Um, Jack, I'm going over to yourself now. So you've talked a bit about a bin, but um, how was the match day experience? Because I, I think a lot of people who didn't get to Plough Lane would quite like to know what it's like. New stadium, 
the vibes pre-match? How was um, it? <clears throat> interesting in the sense that uh, all the tickets were basically A4 paper tickets that you'd normally get, you know, your print at home style for the cinema or whatever. But for whatever reason, AFC Wimbledon sent these to Oxford, who then sent them out to the fans who are attending rather than just emailing them as everything else works like. Um, yeah, and it's just a bit weird. So the, the the entrance to the away end where you'd normally expect to go through a turnstile was just two blokes with like handheld scanners scanning your tickets and then you went through like the big main exit gate. Um, and the whole thing, and I've, I've since read, which explains why, but the whole thing all feels a little bit temporary and how they've kind of put the toilets in and stuff and the, the, the away end itself. But I've since read from a Wimbledon fan that apart from their three-tiered main stand, the other three stands are all temporary because they have planning permission to make it a complete bowl. But as of yet, they're not doing that. Um, uh, right. What, as in from the main stand that yeah. size the whole way around? So that the you know the finished product, if they ever need it, would be a complete bowl three tiers basically. Oh wow! Um, okay. But yeah, so you have this strange concept of from the away end. If you look above the home end, you've just got these massive bare brick wall of what I think is some apartments. So there's no club badge on it. There's no like we are dons. No anything. It's just a fine example of bricks. It probably rivals our B&Q fence, to be fair, in terms of um, just weirdness. But yeah, it's it's a nice enough ground, but it just all felt a little bit kind of, yeah, temporary and kind of un, unfinished. There weren't even that many advertising boards, so all the stands just felt very concrete and, you know, it's good for them. They're back at Plough Lane. It's a good story. You know, they've you know re- revitalised their football club and come through the leagues. Um, but I suppose the Kassam was pretty bland when we opened it. And oh, actually, hold on. Twenty years later, <laughs> it is still quite bland. But the soulless dungeon of breeze blocks. Yeah, it, it does feel a little bit breeze block, but you know the atmosphere was quite good, which doesn't always happen in new grounds. I thought their main stands looked quite impressive. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean. If that thing is, if that carries round, what I wonder what the capacity would be because, like, fifteen to twenty or something like that. I, like what when they used to be in the Premier League at Selhurst Park, I wonder what um, crowds they used to get versus Palace. I'm curious as to what their there's quite a few teams around them, isn't there? <laughs> the kids might grow up to support, so it's like I wonder what their potential is to to grow and scale. Well, it's quite because I think at the current capacity is about nine thousand two hundred. I think at King's Meadow, they could only get about five in. So I think there was 8,000 there on Saturday. So they've kind of got a, what, 40% bounce already. So if they do well, I think they probably will attract, you know, younger fans and the fan base will grow. It looked like it had that feel of being right on the pitch and quite intense and not an easy place to go and play. And I'm just getting excuses in already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was surprised that the way end was only about was I row J? What's that? In about twelve rows deep, um, and yeah, it wasn't. You know, say somewhere like Rotherham where you're, it's really raked. So if you're on the back row, you're miles away from the pitch. But yeah, Wimbledon, you you're quite flat to it all. Hmm. Yeah, on the footage as well. Um, 
Actually, the highlights, I noticed there was loads of different camera shots and angles on the highlights footage. Maybe it was just because it was their first game at Plow, well, their first win at Plow Lane. They wanted to make sure they captured it in the best way possible or something, just in case that happened. But, Probably a um, lack of other games as well. I yeah, it was, it, was on, it was on television internationally. Oh, was it? Yeah, so that's why there's more cameras. Okay. And the... Um, but I also thought the pitch looked really wide. I know that's quite a boring thing to say, but I don't know why. It just looked like um it looked like a good a good ground, I thought. Anyway, um when the lineup came out, I guess um Mora dropped back in um to defence. Ford was still on the right. You still had your Henry uh Brannigan and Gorin sat behind and then the surprises, I guess, were the front three, right, Jack? I guess that was probably the chatter where you had Williams going on to the left and then Sykes it was much discussed, wasn't it, by KR that he, if he was going to get time, he was going to play on the right. And was that a surprise? Um, yeah, I suppose it was surprising the fact that if you were playing someone out wide, you thought it might have been Holland. Um, but I suppose now he's said that oh, Sykes he can play on the right. He's going to he is going to use him there, especially with that midfield um, last week performing quite well. So. Yeah, we'll come on to it, but I still don't know where Sykes' best position is and what he sees himself as. He had a good game playing on the right, but he wasn't really playing as a winger per se. He was kind of playing as a bit of a floating wide player. Mm, a floater. I thought, I thought the <laughs> I thought the um, Henry Sykes overlap overlapping switching of positions really quite worked, and it was it was synonymous of the Wiccan playoff final how they were playing. It does kind of work because Henry was almost playing as a right winger at times and Sykes behind him and then they, they switched it round the other way. And we were getting a lot of um, balls in the box down the right-hand side and Ford was putting in a lot of balls as well. So there's something there. But yeah, Sykes, um, a lot of neat touches, I thought, in the first 15, 20 minutes. But he kind of needed to do things a little bit quicker at times as well. Yeah, and to that point, I guess, the first chance that... I saw when I kind of watched most of the game back was that um, Henry cross. Well, it's a beautiful little cross as well. There's only one place he can put it. Um, it's, you know, to get a result on the back of it. But Taylor just, I don't know. I thought he should have headed it kind of back from where it came from, but he kind of just, that went wide. But yeah, I was really sure. I think Matt, he's got to be gobbling those chances up, hasn't he? Um, well, you, you were behind the other goal, weren't you, Jack? Yeah, so we were at the opposite end, but the reaction around us was that was a sitter and obviously seeing it back, it you know, he that's the kind of goal he normally scores. Yeah. I mean I'm no lip reader, but even I could tell he was going like, Wow, wow, how have I basically how have I missed that? Because yeah. he looks he could have headed that near post, far post relatively easily, it looked like. And um yeah, it was just a big big chance in this game which is another recurring theme and it's interesting with Henry as well because Henry could have not rocked up like a few assists already for the season if people had been taking the chances he's putting on plates for them um he's having an unbelievable campaign already isn't he and then he hit the post himself with like a daisy cutter if you want to call it that with his left foot um hit the outside of the post so we were doing pretty well first half and do you think we warranted taking the lead Jack when um, Sykes obviously nicked the ball away from the Wimbledon defender and notched I think we did in terms of 
we'd created the clear-cut chances or the best chances. Wimbledon had had a few bits kind of drop and shots blocked and a couple of shots straight down Stevens, um, straight into his, his hands. But on another day, one of those hits a defender and goes in the bottom corner or someone connects better. So it's a pretty even first half. It, it was a really good game. If you were there as a neutral, I think you'd have been really entertained. Um, mm. it, was, it was a good advert for League One. It was enjoyable to watch. To so me, to build on that point, it really summed up why League One is so much better than League Two, which I know is a bit of an obvious thing to say. But that game was frantic, but controlled. Whereas in League Two, that would have just been a hoof bounce fest, as I would describe it. Um, but I agree with, with Jack that Wimbledon always looked at times like they were one pass in the right place and they could score. Moore was having a bit of a mare <laughs> at times. Um, there was a ball going over the top, over Ford, which wasn't necessarily his fault, I don't think, that was kind of having a lot of joy. And Thornley was kind of like looking amazing, but it was because he was having to make tackles that weren't shouldn't have been necessary to make. Um, but, you know, it was really, really entertaining. And um, the tempo just did not drop from the entire first half. And, nice. um, yeah, it worked. So when... Um... It's obviously great for Sykes to get a goal. When was his last? He he didn't score last season, did he? No, it was no. something like it was just his first goal, ignoring the playoff final cross since December twenty nineteen, also against Wimbledon. Oh right, what a coincidence! Okay. So, yeah, Loves his it. hopefully, I think we said it on the first pod of the year that. Maybe once he gets one, he'll go on and get four, five, six. But he took it really well for a player who's not scored for, for that long. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just a shame he didn't come in a game where we got something out of it. But, you know, um, second half started and to John's point about more struggling, I think um, he got turned near the halfway line, didn't he? The guy just kind of span around him and then more just cynically kind of pulled the guy down. But far enough out where you're kind of like, they're going to have to do something pretty special to score from here. Where they just pushed all the people forward and they've got some units, haven't they? Was it Nightingale? Who's the other? There was another guy as well. I forget the other Yeah, Hennigan near the centre back. Yeah, it just looked, you could see what was happening. I know I watched it kind of retrospectively, but I don't know what it was like when you're there. But you could just see it. Like as the ball was coming in, um, you could just see they were going to win the header. And the problem with that first goal, he doesn't just win the first one, but the second one, the um, the lads following in. What's his name? He sounded exotic. Redondo or something. Yeah, Redoni. <laughs> Redoni. The, th- um, the, the, thing, the thing for me with that was, though, um, Ryan Williams had been, went down holding his face that stopped the free kick coming in in the first place and kind of delayed it. And I don't think we ever switched back on properly. And why on earth it was Williams marking their big centre-back, I don't know. And it was discussed on, wasn't it, the game when I listened back. It's very hard to tell if we're man-marking or zonal-marking this season. Um, I assume it's zonal if you've got your winger marking their big centre-back, considering we've got players like Gorin who've got a bit of height about them. Um, But yeah, I think Oxford Analytics on Twitter did a really good kind of breakdown of it. and it was good movement by the guy who put it on the line, but we just weren't switched on at all. It was just a terrible goal to concede. Yeah. I to be fair, I just don't I'd be interested to see the stats around conceding from set pieces, but I don't 
against a team like Wimbledon, who have historically been pretty limited in their play, you know, open play to cause us problems. I know they didn't they beat us last year. Come to think of it, towards the end of the season, or am I getting muddled up? They did, didn't they? At their yeah, place. Um, but we had a player sent off, didn't we? I remember now. Oh, it's flooding back. Um, but yeah, like surely you don't take that approach uh, when you've got those um, units basically coming up from the back. But, you know, it's all said in hindsight, isn't it? But um, I think that's not the only goals we've conceded from set pieces so far this season. We're not too far in into the season, are we? So, um, So beyond that, it's one all, isn't it, when Nathan Holland gets put clean through? Well, the, there was two chances, really. There was straight away from, basically from a restart, um, we went through, Williams rode a challenge in the box. If he'd have gone down, he'd have probably got yeah. a pen. And then their keeper made, well, it was a really good save, actually. But that felt a big turning point. And then you you just referred to the, arguably, the bigger turning point. Um, yeah. Which was, a, again, an incredible potential assist from Henry to pick, kind of did the thing with the fate where he's kind of looking as if he's passing the other way and then just plays it bang straight through the middle. Beautiful pass, like straight to Holland's feet. His first touch isn't actually too bad, but he just gets like, when the ball just gets stuck underneath you. It was horrible to watch, but the guy, you know, that, let's just hope it doesn't knock his confidence too much because that would have been a huge moment. And John, I guess you got to think if that goes in 2-1, what would the minute have been then? Like 70-odd? It would have been, yeah, comfortably before we made our substitutions, yeah, um, which we're obviously we'll talk about. I mean, the thing for me is Holland seemed to have done everything right. He seemed to have his body open, and it just looked like it was a simple roll in the bottom corner or either of the corners, get it on target, and then he took this extra touch. And I don't get it. And for me, it was a massive moment because after that, we couldn't get hold of the tempo. It was one of those classic games where a really top team just takes all the energy out of it. And we weren't able to do that. You could see we were getting a little bit deeper. I think Brannigan dropped next to Gorin at times, which was, I think, possible because we were trying to play on the counter. And if that comes off, then fair enough. But if we were at 2-1 in that, I think we win 3-1, possibly even 4-1. Um, but it just completely played into the their hands as a team that can make good use of the ball in terms of building pressure quickly, not in terms of hoof ball, but just in terms of playing it to the right areas. Um, and we got sucked sucked into it, really. Yeah. And then, well, then the second, their second goal comes and it's the same story again as we've already talked about. So so what was the deal with the subs, Jack? Because I know you put some comments out around it in general, <laughs> but I, I'm a bit behind. For, for me, it was 15 minutes of just not chaos, but just strange choices. So Holland came on originally on the wing because he's a winger. You think, yeah, fair enough. He came on for Williams, which is fine. Winger for winger. Then we switched to a diamond, um, which is what why Holland ended up being played clean through because he drifted inside into the centre. Um, obviously, he missed a chance. Um, and then we did the double sub of Winnell and Kane on for Gorin and Sykes. And everyone around us couldn't believe we'd taken Sykes off because he was playing well. And equally, the Gorin taking the shield off, if you like, 
it was it was a clear sign that we were going to go and try and win the game. But for me, and I, I think I said it to the time at the time, they just brought on Asal, who's quite a quickie, quickie, a quick, tricky winger. And our kind of response to them bringing on a winger to give them more width was for us to go narrow. And it just didn't work at all. And then we'd made all three subs by 72 minutes. We then went then went 2-1 down five minutes later and we had no way of responding because we'd thrown all the cards at it. So, so we went to a diamond before Winnell was on? Yeah, we'd, we'd, changed, we'd changed to it just before. Who else? Who was up with um, Taylor? So it's like Holland effectively playing just off him with Henry behind uh, okay. and then Henry dropped deeper to play him through. But then, yeah, when Winnell came on, it was like the proper narrow four, two diamond or whatever Robinson where calls did, it. Where did Kane, did Kane drop in where kind of Gorin was? Or Yeah, but him and Brannigan just seemed to get in each other's way a little bit for me. I don't, I, that's, it just, yeah. as I say, it, it was, for me, it was the wrong formation change with the wrong personnel and he did them both at the same time and I, I think it just completely upset us. I don't I don't buy this Kane can possibly play or do the Gorin role. Not from a defensive side obviously, but I just don't see it. I mean he he's basically Brannigan and as Jack said, they kind of just got in each other's way. And I don't know, part of me feels as well it was it was forcing I think we're going to see a lot of this where Winnell will get on the pitch come what may because it's about trying to build up his confidence and have him as a viable option if Taylor gets injured and, and as a you know fully functioning second option. I think there was a bit of getting him on the pitch and the diamond seems to work for better for Winnell because he's a bit more physical and likes to have a player closer to him where yeah. Taylor uh- knows the system well. I think the the bit in hindsight for me, which I I didn't really clock at the time, was that we'd brought we'd taken Williams off, we'd taken Sykes off, who'd started off as our wingers. We'd got a winger on the pitch in Holland, but we then played him in a number ten role. And if you brought Winnell on, who's a bit more of a target man, then you're asking for crosses to come in the box. But if you've got no width, you resort to what we were doing, which was kind of playing crosses in from kind of. 30 yards out that just lofted in and their centre-backs were just gobbling them up. It... Yeah, which we did all... You know, we had a lot of sustained attacking pressure in the first half, but a lot of it was just balls into the box that weren't putting their centre-halves on the edge. It was just like, oh, thank you, I'll just hammer yeah. that away type stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, for me, if you were going to have Holland on the pitch, you wanted him taken on the full-back, piling across onto the penalty spot, let Winnell fight battle and then second ball drops to someone. But we... Yeah, it was a... I don't normally knock Robinson for trying to win a game, but I don't think that was the right way to try and win that game. And then the third goal came, which was them on the counter, and kind of summed up all the bits we've just said. Yeah, it was a well, really well-taken goal, that third goal, wasn't it, as well? The whole move was pretty good. Um, but yeah, this, their second goal, obviously, Nightingale, another header. I mean, you've got to imagine that we're going to try and um, sort that out. Into, I guess we'll be focusing on to set pieces. But I think they were saying that pre-match in the build-up, like set pieces, set pieces, set pieces, and then yeah, they they can't deal with it. They mentioned it after as well. I just scribbled it down. So Cambridge was a penalty. Yeah, it was a penalty. Burst in the cup was an own goal off a long throw-in. Charlton was a penalty. Bolton was shot from what twenty yards and then a header from a corner. You and Doyle, yeah. 
Lincoln was a penalty. Cambridge in the trophy with a completely different set of defenders was three set pieces. And then Wimbledon was two set pieces. So it's not even like it's the same centre-backs not picking up their men or the midfield. It just seems to be a something that's crept in, which is slightly concerning when you've got Massinho and Short as centre-backs. Yeah, And we seem to have sorted this towards the back end of last season to a degree with effectively... Well, Thornley and Atkinson, yeah, pretty much alike. So, where's where's the um, why is it why is it falling away? I think the the double whammy is, and Kr referred to it in his interview, is that we don't look a threat from our own set pieces. So we had thirteen corners on Saturday, and I think they said that we we didn't win the first contact once, which. You know. With Elliot Moore on the pitch as well, because that was my previous excuse was like when when he's there, he's causing. Even if he's not winning the ball, he's de- you know distracting their bigger defenders who would usually be picking him picking him up. So, um, I thought KR made a good point about ruffles and long in the air, which was very very fair. Um, I've not seen Seddon do much in the air particularly, and Ford's not not there to win headers. So there's something in that. But yeah, as a team, we're not we're not the kind of the most physical, uh, you know. No rot bag, as we talked about. In yeah, no rotter. Where's your rotter? Um, we need a quickie and a rotter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure if we're going to... You know, we've gone... We're six games in. We've got one clean sheet, haven't we? That Tuesday night against Crew um, Conceded eight in six. I guess, John, that's... Not necessarily a cause for concern yet, but... I guess what Jack's just reeled through there with the set pieces, it feels very avoidable as well, which is quite a frustrating part if, of it, I guess. Yeah. If the playing style and wasn't progressing match by match, yes, obviously the set pieces is a big issue, but the, generally the way the team's playing and gelling is mountains ahead of yeah. where we were last season. So that's positive. Chaos talked about how we're now going to a, a new block of fixtures and the sort of five block thing. So I think there's a bit of a potentially a point to kind of reset ourselves and, you know, go look 10 points from, from, from 15 or something like that. So I think it's always not lost, but it will become the go-to if we don't sort of tighten up on the defensive side of things and it's bedding the midfield in. it's always bedding the midfield in um, and cutting those spaces out. So, we go on to um, Wickham on Saturday then. So, what a great game to <laughs> have a little bit of pressure to need to win. They've had a decent start, haven't they, Jack? They're still above us, playing it played a game less. So, they've won three, drawn one, lost one. Um, what, what are your hopes for that game? Well, they're the ideal team to play when you've got a weakness about set pieces, aren't they? Um, I bet that they'll be looking forward to to capitalising unless we have a good go at sorting it this week. Um, I was just looking at if Jordan Obita's playing much for them. He's played every minute so far this season. So he's probably looking forward to Saturday because that was a very strange situation last year, how we kind of signed him and then flogged him. Um, he's playing left got... wing back. Which, um, yeah. Which is, I mean, to me, that's where he's kind of that is his optimum position. Um, 
But then weirdly in a lot of them, they're playing 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, whatever you want to look at it. But then for some reason, Sully Kolkai, who's the normally right winger, is playing right wing back. And we've done all right against teams that play three at the back. And if is White back for that game on Saturday? Haven't they got another international midweek? Yeah, there is another there is another round of fixtures, so I'm not sure I mean, whether We I think we can have some joy because Jacobson still is playing effectively as a left centre half and we know he's not quick. Um so I think there's things to be got out there. They've conceded six goals, which is you know, that's that's probably not exactly that's not that tight in terms of goals. So there's yeah. there's avenues there, I think. Yeah, I think they. How's um, Sam Vokes done? I saw he got a couple of goals. Yeah, they got th- yeah. they got three players on two goals. They've got some um, classic veterans with, with Vokes, Gareth McCleary, um, but then they've got so they had a strange window. So they they signed Vokes, who's obviously about thirty five. Is he been there, done it in the past? Mm-hmm. But then they signed Brandon Hanlon from Bristol Rovers um, for a fee. It was kind of the a younger a younger striker, and then like John John said, they signed Kai Kai from Blackpool, who's quite an exciting winger and doesn't particularly scream a Wickham esque player to begin yeah. with. Um, Vokes is thirty one. He's only thirty one. He used to play for Burnley, folks. Yeah, and Stoke. Yeah. And they've got a player called uh, Mehmeti, surname. Oh no! Playing in their team. Um, it's an it's an aim it's an Mehmeti as well. Yeah, so could be a reunion. I mean, it's not the same player, spoiler alert. But, um, you know, the other thing about the Wickham is that still managed by Ainsworth, the style of their play will be pretty similar. And we did dominate them in terms of playing style. It's just going to come down to, like, our decision-making. Do we take our chances and do we stand up to the way that they'll play, which will be a more physical style? I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy. And they've still got... Anthony Stewart, centre back, who scored, did he score in the playoff final? I can't remember, but he's a pretty decent player. Um, but they're, they're not sort of, yeah, there's some additions in there and they've got the championship money. But yeah. they'll they'll be the same kind of team that we know that we can get some joy against from a, a sort of playing style, but it's got to get come with results, isn't it? It's, it's interesting, isn't it, to see how that goes. We've won our last, what was it, seven at home? So let's hope that record doesn't end end here. I think it's one of them where if if we lost that game, the, suddenly the start seems to evaporate, and then um, you know, I think to your point though, John, it is worth saying. You know, it's clear that the squad has more depth to it, and the actual performances on the whole uh, are better and more consistent. But there are a lot of frustrated people. Like Twitter did explode a little bit after Saturday. Lots of not necessarily team focus but lots of individual focus kind of um opinions coming in like there was a lot of comments on holland not necessarily quite being ready looking like a boy not a man like he needs to step up etc etc but i think generally the home sport's been excellent so far this season so yeah we'll have to see. The, the thing with the wickham game is if we if we don't win you then put a lot of pressure on Cheltenham away, and you, you you'd back us to go there and get a result. But but if you don't, you then got Steve Evans, Gillingham will come and be as you'd expect. We then got Accrington, who've got off to yet another good start, and 
often at the Kassam, they kind of do a job on us. And then you're into those, the bigger, well, the big game to Sheffield Wednesday away, Sunderland will get moved. You, Yeah, you, you need six points out of the next two, arguably, to keep make it a really good start. Otherwise, you kind of sitting about in mid-table and you start wondering, you know, we need to put a run together and you don't want that pressure. Because we've, we've, we've said before, we've put a run together the last three seasons. Eventually, we're not going to put a run together. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I think I th- you make a good point, though. Like, if we get over this game, then you look at Cheltenham, Gillingham. And I know, I know Aki have had a good start, but again, I'd fancy us. Um, I think this is the one we've got to get, get over and then confidence should be in a good place heading into those next games. Um, right, cool. Anyone got anything else they want to get off their chest? No? No more shirt-based no, I just noticed something on Yellow's forum. The um, supporters panel or council or whatever they're calling themselves had a meeting tonight and someone's just pointed out that the official name is going to be the Oxford United supporters panel and they've got a lovely badge with an OUSP, but it's an anagram of soup and I can't unsee this big lovely soup. badge. It's effectively saying soup. Maybe they are just meeting up and having soup and it's just a big cover-up. Could be. Could be. Who's in that? What? What is that? Is that so? That's not Oxfox. It's the other supporters group that's got together. It's like the club doing the fans council kind of thing. So it'll be like the toilets are dirty, sort it out, or we want beer to be cheaper, or give me a padded seat, or you know that kind of important stuff. Okay, sounds good. Um, other soft news, didn't you? There was something in the notes that said you heard someone talking about the podcast. Is that right? Oh, uh, yeah. Wimbledon. Uh, the, the, they weren't just talking about the podcast. They were listening to the podcast in the pub on like, what's it called? Loudspeaker on their phone. No. Did you not go over and be like, uh, 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 uh. No, I definitely, I it's definitely did not. Because they might have said they hate this podcast. And then. Yeah. Just, they're just working out shit quotes to send family and friends. Oh, you should have definitely done that. Yeah. The guy would have been like, oh, "I'm just listening for the first time, mate. It's a bit shit, actually." <laughs> I don't like. I don't like this um, one that talks about Steve Evans all the time. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a right. Yeah. Right. We'll take, let's... we'll take. We'll definitely take it and uh, shout out to whoever it was. Yeah, if it was you listening, in, do you remember what the pub was? It in a pub or was it next to a bin? Where Where was this happening? Uh, it was at the. I think it was the Halfway House pub by Earlsfield Station. That's very specific. So if that was you listening to the pod, many thanks. You get Tutmana street cred. And in other, um, soft, in other soft news, I don't know if we've had someone claim the money that the Oxford fans left under the table, unless that's a complete fake and I've been taken in. But apparently some people left a load of money under a table in a pub. The Oxford fans and the pub alike were trying to, were trying to get, in, get in touch with you to give you your money back. Which is, which I didn't. I didn't bizarre. see that. How much are we talking? It might be mine. I well, mean, it's, I was at it's, descri- it's described as quite a significant amount of money. That's really strange. What nice people! The Prince of Wales pub in Wimbledon. Yeah. So the club of. I mean, all right. Maybe the club have been taken in, but the club have genuinely put it out there that you know, <laughs> if you've got your wadge of a, 
you know, dodgy drug money that you've left under a pub table. Go back and collect it. Yeah, there's a half gram of crack and uh, <laughs> 400 pounds. <laughs> if it's yours, yeah, the police are just sat there going, come on. Um, all right, excellent. Right, we'll probably be back after the, the Wickham game where hopefully we're all delighted and feeling positive. Um, in the meantime, have a lovely week, Yellows fans, and we'll see you then. Thank you.